On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Model Y deliveries are imminent. Plus, Hot Wheels is offering you a chance to get your hands on a toy Cybertruck this year while we wait for the real thing next year. Model 3 is officially one of the overall best-selling cars in California and more. Howdy friends, Ryan McCaffrey with you for episode 239 of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. This one for March 1st, 2020. Daisy the Boxer Puppy snoozing to my left. And it's been a good week. I've had a fun week. My first week uh, back really fully in action because you know, I was sick a couple weeks ago. Then I was traveling all last week. So had a really good week back kind of in the groove here, feeling good. And I was feeling extra good on the Tesla side of things last weekend. I was heading down uh, the peninsula here in the Bay Area to visit my brother-in-law. And I saw, I looked to my right, I was in the, I think either the far left lane or the, the second lane from the, the left. And I looked over and I saw a blue Tesla. I'm like, oh, that's not a Model 3. That's a Y. So I pointed it out to my wife and we, <laughs> I backed off on my speed and let the Y uh, come by. Sure enough, it had manufacturer plates on it. So definitely a Tesla employee driving it. Uh, it's the first one that I have seen since reveal night. You know, I was lucky enough to get to go to reveal night uh, almost exactly a year ago, last March. And that one was blue, at least the, the working one, the working prototype was blue. And so was this one. And it was looking very sharp in daylight. It was really nice to see it out in natural light outside. And yeah, it looks really good. Uh, it is, I'll tell you, I was in my three, so I had a, a pretty good comparative, comparing perspective. It is noticeably bigger than the Model 3. It, you know, when you're alongside it, even kind of looking at it, but particularly when you're next to it, as I got to be on the freeway there for a little bit, it is definitely noticeably taller than the Model 3. And from the front, like after, after I ended up past it, and looking at it in my rear view mirror, when you just look at it head on, which is, this is the exact same thought I had uh, at the, the Model Y event last year, it looks almost like a dead ringer for the Model 3 from the front, except just stretched up a little bit, stretched taller. So uh, from the side, it's it's kind of, you know, it's like, it's a little bit of a Model 3, but you gotta, gotta do a double take because of the hatchback. And then from the back, I would say, uh, and my wife actually was the first one to note this, she thought it looked like a Model X and a Model 3 had a baby from, from the rear view of it. And I would absolutely concur with that. So sharp looking car, was great to see it. It had, uh, I'm not sure if it had the 21 inch Uber turbine wheels or the, the 20 inch uh, dark induction wheels. I couldn't could, couldn't tell at speed, obviously, but either way, just seeing it on the road, they are going to sell millions of these things. It is a sharp-looking vehicle. It's going to do everything the Model 3 does, and it's got great range. It's got great cargo volume, comparatively speaking, with that hatchback and the individually folding uh, seats in the in the second row. This is going to be a good vehicle. And uh, speaking of Model Y, it is coming very, very soon because not long after I spotted it on the freeway, but just a couple days later, early in the week, the email started going out to the first wave of customers who are being offered delivery. So the first wave is underway, and I want to thank a hat tip here to Jeff DeWolf, being the first person to give me a heads up on this. I heard from some other people as well. Jeff and everybody else who's uh, who's gotten the email, congratulations on your imminent Model Y delivery. So this was the email that was sent out. It reads, congratulations, your Model Y is ready for delivery in March 2020. The next step for you is to confirm when you're able to take delivery so we can ensure the best experience possible. Once you confirm your availability, we'll send you an update in the coming days to notify you when you can log into your Tesla account and complete any remaining steps, such as financing or trade-in. 
Your Tesla advisor will be available to answer any additional questions you may have. We're excited to have Model Y join your home and be a part of your transition to sustainable energy. Welcome to the Tesla family, end quote. Well, I, I followed up with Jeff and asked him what he ordered, and he did order a performance model in blue with black interior. Now, as I looked more into this in the Tesla community, the anecdotal evidence suggested that, and this was very much expected, that all of the first deliveries would be performance models. Well, that, that sort of theory lasted a day or so, because then some people started posting, a number of people, enough to you know, know that it was for real and not anybody just trying to pull the internet's leg, but just the non-performance all-wheel drive emails started going out as well. So the, uh, they're going to have a pretty good first batch heading out, it seems. One thing that I think we can definitely say for sure, though, is that regardless of the motor configuration, the first deliveries are definitely all black interior orders thus far. And also an interesting data point here is that Jeff specifically ordered on October 27th, 2019, obviously well after the reveal last March. And if you're curious, well, he is he just in California near the factory? No, Jeff is in Madison, Wisconsin, pretty darn far from California. And again, as I looked deeper into it in the community, many examples like Jeff's are popping up. Uh, people that ordered as recently as a month ago, uh, people, there's, there were some day one people in there, uh, but yes, performance and some all-wheel drive, non-performance as well, but everybody black interior and they are, and the, the deliveries, the first wave scattered around the country. So that's good to see that it's not just, it's not just uh, all going to California as we have seen with the first deliveries of Teslas in the past. So... The lesson to take from this, if, you're, if your interest is peak now with the Model Y imminent, if you want one and thought, well, there's no way I'm going to get one because, you know, I'd be way at the end of the line. If you go performance, you've got a pretty darn good chance of taking delivery very, very soon, even if you were to order today. And then if you order the regular all-wheel drive, you might still be in the mix as well, depending on how things go. I mean, I would imagine that the bulk of the reservations are for the long-range all-wheel drive, as well as the long-range rear-wheel drive, and those folks now have to decide whether to wait and see if that version gets made, or go ahead and upgrade to the all-wheel drive. But clearly Tesla is, I mean, which they've stayed, they said they were gonna do, so this is not a surprise. They wanna try and get as many of the high margin cars out first because as Elon has noted in the past, the effectively the production is most expensive in the beginning. As things are new, things are slow, so the, the cost per car to Tesla is higher and thus it benefits the company to try and sell the higher margin cars, AKA the performance models first. So if you are interested, you if you're tempted enough, you can dial up a performance order and probably have a pretty good chance of taking delivery pretty soon. But the bottom line is that the Model Y is nearly here. It won't be much longer now because the first available dates that people who have gotten the email and locked in, the first dates that those people are able to choose is March 15th, exactly one year after the Model Y unveiling, which I can't imagine is a coincidence. So here we go. To, to again, pull back real quick, take the 10,000 foot view, the fourth Tesla manufactured car in the company's lineup is now about to launch the fifth car overall. And uh, really, I just have, I mean, there are still questions such as what are the exact dimensions? What's the ground clearance? There are still things that Tesla has not put up on the website that people are curious to know. But as far as the next steps, the big question, I think, is uh, Tesla history suggests that there will be a, a delivery event, a launch event. And so if that's going to happen, it's going to have to happen pretty soon. I would think invites 
if they're going to do it, would go out this week. And and I don't know, maybe they're not going to do it. I'm not sure because compared to every other car launch that Tesla has had up to this point, the Model Y has been exceptionally low key. I mean, Tesla has not publicized this. The Model Y is still not at the top of, of the Tesla website in terms of the the, the photographic image, the picture. You know, it's still on the top row, that top skyline banner uh, where you can click each car. But, when, you know, when you can click left or right, it's, you know, it centers on the Model 3 and then to the left is the S, to the right is the X. It's The Y is still not in that mix. It's still not sort of in the main carousel, if you will, of the homepage. And so, you know, maybe Tesla just is happy to downplay this and let Model 3 keep selling at volume until the company can get the Model Y ramp up. And so, yeah, they they might just be downplaying this on purpose in order to minimize any sort of public grousing or, and by public grousing, I mean the shorts and the fudsters about the Model Y production ramp. So we'll see. I mean, I think so. If there is going to be a launch event, we'll probably hear about it before the next podcast is out. But Tesla number four, uh, as far as what they themselves have manufactured and Tesla number five overall is here. It's going to be awesome. Next this week, speaking of awesome stuff, Hot Wheels has uh, partnered with Tesla to create a remote control Cybertruck. And as it was cleverly phrased by Hot Wheels, quote, Hot Wheels packs the power and performance of the futuristic Cybertruck into two small-scale remote-controlled vehicles, a track-compatible 164th scale and a limited-edition hobby-grade 110th scale. It's the only way to drive the Cybertruck in 2020. So if you're curious, the 164th scale is pretty small. It's, you know, it's basically a, seemingly the size of regular Hot Wheels, just the die-cast metal ones, uh, right around that size. And that one is $20. And you can pre-order that right now with the estimated shipping time of December for that. I would suspect that Hot Wheels will do everything in their power uh, manufacturing-wise to get those shipped out to customers before the holidays this year. And then there's the big kahuna, the one-tenth scale remote control Cybertruck for $400. It has a more high-end remote control to it, the kind uh, that you, you know, with the more serious RC cars, the one that you hold like a gun and then it has a wheel on the side to uh to to turn it and cleverly that wheel is a Cybertruck wheel with the arrow hubcap on it. And uh this is in comparison by the way to the to the $20 version that 164th scale version that has a a much simpler kind of toy like video game style controller to it. So anyway, uh the $400 version features all-wheel drive and it's got chill and sport modes. It's got a fully visible interior with headlights and taillights. It's not just, you know, with a doesn't just have a black sticker over where windows would be. It's it, it they did actually render out and include the interior. Uh, it's got uh, headlights and taillights on it that work. It's got a vault cover over the bed that you can manually slide open and closed. It's got a manually operated tailgate and a loading ramp. Hey, Hot Wheels, how about an RC Cyberquad? They haven't announced that yet, but hopefully someday. Uh, And yes, if you're curious, it includes two broken window uh, stickers, decals, that you can put on there to fully recreate the reveal night if you want to. Uh, Last I checked, though, a one-tenth scale Franz von Holzhausen and one-tenth scale steel balls are not included. Uh, But (laughs) anyway, you know, I'm not sure how many pre-orders that they allocated for that bad boy $400 version. Certainly far fewer than the $20 version. I mean, they even said limited edition. But however many it was for the $400 version, uh, that allotment sold out almost instantly. I mean, they were gone just like that. They were gone real quick. 
Now, if you want that, all you can do is join a wait list. So what's a little surprising to me about the, this product, or I guess these products, is that it did not take Tesla long to sign off on the first official third-party Cybertruck merchandise. I mean, I'm sure they had a lot of companies banging on their door after that unveiling. I mean, I talked about it, uh, about uh, SEO and search terms and how even this podcast, the, the metrics went up in the wake of the Cybertruck unveiling. I mean, it was huge for Tesla. It was, it was they couldn't have purchased more publicity than that, than, than the Cybertruck gave them. So uh, they probably had a lot of suitors coming to them with, with product ideas, you know, licensing, merchandising ideas, and they said yes to Hot Wheels. And so those products are due out in December. And I will say now, I hope the official $250 Tesla 118th scale Cybertruck is in the works now as well. They have it for all the other vehicles. And if it's if it happens to be a, a real thing, and, and when if and when it is, if they happen to make the body out of actual stainless steel, then I would totally buy one. I know that's probably wishful thinking, but you never know. Uh, anyway, though, even that little guy, that little $20.164 scale, would make a pretty cool gift for the Tesla fan in your life. So if that's you, start dropping hints to your family now. And if that's someone else in your life, I'd suggest getting your pre-order in ASAP in order to maximize your chance of getting it delivered before the holidays. And the website for that, if you're curious where to find it, it's mattelcreations.com. And Mattel is spelled M-A-T-T-E-L, two T's, one L, mattelcreations.com. Next up this week, the Model 3 moved up the California sales charts for 2019, and I'm not talking about the EV sales charts. I'm talking about the overall car sales. It was the third best-selling car overall. So not trucks. This is this trucks were separate, but as far as cars go, the number three selling car in California. I found this via the Tesla Motors Reddit. So a shout out to uh, to those folks. The California Auto Outlook, which, funny enough, by the way, is sponsored by, wait for it, the California New Car Dealers Association, who are, by nature, probably not big fans of Tesla, but they collect and release this data. They track this data every year. So they did put out their data for 2019, and the Model Y, as I said, did quite well. So first of all, in breaking down this data, it smoked its competition in the near-luxury class of cars. Again, trucks had their own categories. The Model 3 had 43% of all sales in the near-luxury category. And as far as the numbers go, Tesla sold just under 60,000 Model 3s just in California in 2019. The next best-selling car in that near-luxury category was the Mercedes C-Class with a 10% share of that segment. So again, the Model 3, 43% of the near-luxury class segment. Mercedes C-Class, 10%, and they sold 13,000, about 13,500 Mercedes C-Class in the state of California in 2019. If you look overall, let's eliminate categories, let's eliminate segments, let's just look at overall car sales in California. It went number one, the Honda Civic, 75,915 cars uh, sold in California, or registered technically, new cars registered. The Camry, Toyota Camry at number two, 63,459. And then the Model 3, Right behind that Camry, 59,514, and the Model 3 passing the Honda Accord, which was fourth at 58,310. So uh, very much right behind the Model 3, but Model 3 beat it. I mean, the Honda Accord has been just a, a staple for decades now. So the fact that the Model 3 overtook it is really, really impressive. And, and again, this is... All of this, this is fantastic by any metric, but I was curious how this compared 
to 2018. I can't say last year anymore. I was cu curious how it compared to 2018, so I went and looked it up. Um, now, I was one of the, the new uh, California Model 3 registrations in 2018, so I was happy to, to contribute there. But remember, too, that the production ramp really only kicked into high gear at Tesla around the middle of 2018, because that's when the you know, that's when the ramp hit 5,000, and that's when Tesla then started doing the performance models and the dual-motor all-wheel drive cars. So that said, that context stated, California in 2018, barely different. 51,293 Model 3s sold in California in 2018. And again, it was, uh, it was 59,000. So 59,000 this year. Or excuse me, here I go, 59,000 in 2019, 51,000 and change in 2018, which tells me that a lot more cars, relatively speaking, went to California in 2018 during that initial production ramp, and a larger percentage of cars went elsewhere in 2019, which is a good thing, by the way. Uh, but the top three in 2018 was again the Civic at number one, about 80,000. Number two, the Camry, a good bit behind at 61,500. And number three was the Accord in 2018, 59,500. And the Model 3 in 2018 in fourth place in the state of California with that 51,000. So it moved up quite a bit relative to the Accord year over year. So really, really good stuff there. Uh, and in, if you want to look ahead to 2020, the Model Y is, I think, likely to go. I was looking at all the categories that, that this uh, chart breaks down. I think the Y is probably going to go into the luxury compact SUV category. The cars in that list now are the Mercedes GL C-Class, the Lexus NX, the BMW X3, the Audi Q5, and the Acura RDX. The Model X is in the next category up, if you're curious, and that's the luxury midsize SUV. And the top of the luxury compact SUV category, I think, should be pretty easy for the Model Y to grab. The number one vehicle there, the Mercedes, has about 16,000 California registrations in 2019. Uh, I think the Y can get there, quite possibly even this year at the beginning of its production ramp. We'll see about that. Uh, I think the real competition for the Y would be in the compact non-luxury SUV class because that was headed by the Toyota RAV4 at 55,760 uh, units sold. So that's, you know, the Model 3 beat that. We'll see once the Model Y ramps up if it can do the same. Uh, and even if they're not competing in the same segment there, it'll be interesting to see how both the RAV4, uh, well, actually all three, how the RAV4 and the Y stack up and how the 3 and the Y stack up because it is possible that the Y could cannibalize a bit of Model 3 sales. That's going to be an interesting thing to watch. Next this week... You may remember a case a couple of years ago, an incident, an unfortunate tragedy a couple of years ago back in March of 2018, where a Model X owner was killed while using autopilot here in the Bay Area on Highway 101 uh, near Mountain View. That case was finally heard today or this week by the NTSB, and some new information has come to public light. And this is certainly a, this is a, a big deal in the Tesla community because obviously there have been so few fatalities. I mean, I think you can count them in one hand when it comes to autopilot usage that, that these obviously are, are of concern to the community, to, you know, uh, to, to mourn the victims and to, to uh, pay respects, and, and certainly the government is is keeping a close eye on these things because as we know tesla is at the tip of the spear for better and for worse with autonomous driving and and the the quest towards autonomous driving nobody else is offering the kind of dr uh, driver assistance features that tesla is in a in, on public roads in publicly available cars so 
everything is under a microscope, and this case was no different. Now, to paraphrase the reporting of the Associated Press, this was effectively the conclusion of the, the investigation and the report. So a crash attenuator, sort of a, 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 an object that would have helped deaden the impact of the crash and, and you know, help reduce the force of the impact, uh, that crash attenuator was missing. The uh, AP saying, quote, the, that cushion had been damaged in a crash 11 days before uh, Walter Huang was killed. That's the name of the driver. And so it had not yet been replaced. So there's that. That's part one. Part two is that autopilot did the wrong thing in that particular spot. Uh, from the story, quote, NTSB staff members said they couldn't pinpoint exactly why the car steered into the barrier, but it was likely a combination of faded lane lines, bright sunshine that affected the cameras, and a closer-than-normal vehicle in the lane ahead of the Tesla. So then part three is the driver. Uh, Mr. Huang, an Apple engineer, it was revealed, was playing a video game on his cell phone. The report saying, quote, Huang did not break and there was no steering movement detected to avoid the crash. So the bottom line here is that, uh, and this was in the report as well, this is not me just speculating or, or uh, giving conjecture. If any one of those things hadn't happened, Mr. Huang would probably still be alive. So I'll be honest, you know, I, I debated whether or not to cover this very sad, very tragic story on this podcast, because as you guys know, you know, I I like to intentionally, I by design, I keep things fun and enthusiastic here. I mean, I'm not afraid to call Tesla out and cover bad news when it's appropriate. You've heard that before. But in general, I, I you know, you guys, my theory is we all get enough bad slash sad news bombarding us from every other angle all the time. So with this podcast that I, you know, that I do in my free time that, that so many of you out there have, have kindly taken to listening to, I want it to be a fun little Tesla hour, a, a Tesla fun hour, if you will, each and every week. But I did want us to do this story because I think the lesson here, besides mourning the tragic passing of a fellow member of the Tesla community, is a reminder of something Elon said after the Joshua Brown accident that cost Mr. Brown his life in 2016 uh, when he was killed under similar circumstances in that autopilot was doing the wrong thing in a particular spot and uh, in, in uh, Joshua's case, the driver, he was, he was watching a movie on his laptop, so he was a distracted driver. So the lesson, again, that Elon had mentioned is this. Familiarity with autopilot should not, it just cannot equal complacency from the driver's part. In fact, here's a quote. I went back and found Elon's exact quote about this. This was from an earnings call uh, after the accident had happened. So this is from a, a few years ago. He said, when there is a serious accident, it is almost always, in fact, maybe always, the case that it is an, uh, excuse me, that it is an experienced user and the issue is more one of complacency, end quote. And uh, it, unfortunately, it seems that Elon is right about that. And I don't want to harp on that. I don't want to assign blame. But what I want to say to this is as follows. It's just, and that is, it's important to remember what the autopilot system is good at and isn't good at. And obviously, the more you drive your Tesla and the more you use autopilot, the more you learn what those uh, sort of restrictions are, what the, what the fence, where the fence posts go out to before you, you shouldn't venture outside of that in an autopilot situation. So I guess I just want to say be safe out there and uh, hopefully I'll never have to do one of these stories ever again. Finally this week, on a happier note, Elon offering a couple of new Cybertruck details this week. So all, a bunch of you out there no doubt have Cybertruck reservations. 
This one is for you. Elon was asked, can Cybertruck also have a payload or towing calculator? Elon answering, yes. It will also show real-time changes to max acceleration, braking, cornering, speed on gradient, and range, the latter factoring in route elevation changes and cargo or tow mass and drag impact. Uh, By the way, he adds, in some prior tweets, I'd said the production Cybertruck would be about 80 inches wide versus about 84 inches body width at the unveil. This is slightly too small. It will be closer to 82 inches, but comes standard with upper laser blade lights, end quote. Well, a Ford F-150, depending on the variant, which of course is the truck that that Elon specifically compared Cybertruck to as the sort of gold standard in pickup trucks. The F-150 can range from 89.9 inches wide uh, up to 96.3 inches wide, and that's without the side view mirrors. Elon's number of 82 inches is almost certainly also without the mirrors, that are probably, let's be honest, they're probably going to have to be added to it between now and the time it goes into production. Though, it would be great if the U.S. government could change that law, but it's probably more likely to expect that that won't happen. But uh, anyway, the upper uh, laser blade lights, by the way, I think by that he means the ones up near the roof. If you look back at the reveal event again, if you you go back, uh, I think the headlights will probably be more traditional LED headlights. And in fact, uh, speaking of government regulations, I think laser headlights are still illegal in the U.S. as well, just like cameras for side mirrors. So I think that's what Elon means there. And to his other comment, I think it's cool that they're going to offer a bunch of real-time, detailed energy consumption uh, information in your Cybertruck. I mean, that's the vehicle among all the Teslas that would really benefit from that added layer of information for the driver. All right, that's everything I've got for you in the world of Tesla news this week, but stick with me. I've got plenty of your excellent phone calls coming up on the Ride the Lightning hotline right after this. Welcome to your part of the show, the Ride the Lightning Hotline, where you can call in anytime with your Tesla questions, comments, and discussion topics, and we'll talk about them right here. If you'd like to participate, there are two easy ways to do so. Either record your question on your smartphone's built-in voice recording software and send that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Please keep your question to a minute and a half or less, 90 seconds or less. I really appreciate it. That way I can get to as many people as possible each week. Or you can call and dial and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. That toll-free number is 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. Same thing, minute and a half or less on the call, if you please. And by the way, if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Let me kick it off with Martin in Scotland. Go ahead, Martin. Hi there, Ryan. Martin here from Ayrshire in Scotland. I love the podcast. It's really interesting and informative. I recently test drove my first Tesla, a Model 3 performance, while on a long weekend trip to Edinburgh. I absolutely loved it. It was easily the best car I've ever driven, and I was sold straight away. I'm planning on ordering a long-range all-wheel drive, but I'm undecided about the interior. I have only seen the white interior in person, as it was in both the showroom model and the test drive car, and even though I hadn't previously considered it, I loved the look. My main concern, however, is the durability and upkeep of it, as of a son who's just turning two years old. Just wondered how you've found it with your family and Daisy. How often do you have to clean it, and is it easy to maintain? One of the reasons I think I like the white interior is the white dashboard strip, as I'm not sure about the wood one I've seen in the pictures of the black interior. Although I hear you can have them wrapped. 
have you had any of the interior of your car wrapped so all the best to you and your family i look forward to many more excellent podcasts ahead thank you Hi, Martin. Thank you very much for your call. Well, the upkeep and durability of the white interior is a common question, but a valid one. So I'm happy to speak to it from time to time. At least my opinion here. The short answer is that durability, not a concern. But yes, I would say that there is more upkeep to do with it than with the black interior. Thankfully, I think that upkeep is pretty easy. You just wipe it down every month or so, maybe a bit more if you've got a a two-year-old. Although I imagine being two, probably in a car seat, and that car seat's probably also sitting on top of a car seat seat protector to help keep dirt and food and kid grime off of the seat itself. But anyway, uh, yes, the white will show dirt more easily and little crumbs and stuff, obviously. But in my humble opinion, it's worth the trade-off for what I find to be the striking, beautiful look of the white seats. Believe me, I don't blame anyone who doesn't want to be bothered and would rather just have black and not have to worry about it. But for me, I have zero regrets about the white seats. I would choose them again in a heartbeat. Thank you very much for your call, Martin. Brian from Minneapolis up next, answering Brett's question from last week about cold air getting blown at you when you first turn on the heater. Go ahead, Brian. Hey, Ryan. It's Brian Anderson from Minneapolis, Minnesota. I'm calling to answer Brett's question about cold air coming out of the heater on the Model 3. First of all, The heater is a resistance type heater, so it's just an electric coil, and it should be heating up in just a few seconds. Now, it may take another minute or so for all the ductwork to warm up and for the truly warm air to come out, but this happens pretty quickly in my experience, and up here in Minneapolis, we need a lot of warm air in our cars. Gas engines actually pull the heat from the engine, so that requires the entire engine block to be warmed up, so it tends to be true that EVs warm up quicker than gas engines, one of the many advantages. What I would suggest Brett try, if he's not already, is using auto. The auto setting automatically keeps the fan on a low speed until the resistance heater has built up a little heat, and it also directs the air in a direction so it's not cooling you off. Hope that helps. Brian, thank you very much for that explanation and the bonus constructive suggestion on top of that. Uh, It does indeed help. And Brett, if you're out there, there you go. The Ride the Lightning audience delivers for one of its own once again. I want to shout out also Russell from New South Wales, Ryan from Denver, and Chris from Chicago, who all called in about this very topic as well. Love it when people help each other. It's awesome. Brian from Los Angeles is up next, and he's got uh, a little trouble helping a friend get into a Tesla. Go ahead, Brian. Yo, Ryan. Brian from L.A. I love the show. Day one listener. I'm calling because my buddy Benny just got out of a BMW lease, and I totally convinced him to get a Model 3 over the last two months. He did put in the order, and it's a huge change for him as he would be buying, not leasing, and he's switching to electric, obviously. He's ready for delivery, but is getting cold feet. He said he went into a Tesla store and was shrugged off. Maybe it was a non-commissioned employee working little to give him a test drive or sell the sale or the various features. Now he's thinking how nice it would be to go back to a BMW and have cooled seats and a heads-up display. I explained to him that autopilot and a bunch of other features he's never had will more than make up for this, and I'm having trouble getting him over the finish line. What more can I do to sell him this incredible vehicle. It's upsetting that there's not a better new customer buying experience. Is there a gap between motivated factory employees and sales store staff? Anyway, thanks for your consideration. Great show as always. Take care. Brian, thank you for your call and I am happy to try and help here. So the number one thing is just a test drive. It's unfortunate that he had a bad experience at that Tesla store. I mean, they're not on commission anywhere. So whoever he couldn't get the attention of was either having a bad day or just not doing their job well. But if you've got a Tesla yourself, and it sounds like you do, I would absolutely suggest taking him out in your car. Alternatively, 
You could try and arrange a test drive for him yourself by going to tesla.com slash drive and fill out the form there. Uh, finally, I want to say, just end on one other note. Some people just might still prefer another brand, whatever their reason. One drive in a Tesla tends to win a lot of people over, but not everybody. If he just likes how BMWs handle or how they sound or how the interior feels, hey, that's perfectly reasonable, and hopefully he'll enjoy his next car, even if it's not a Tesla. Let me go to Jay in Hickory, North Carolina, up next. Jay, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan. Jay from Hickory, North Carolina, calling in, second-time caller. Um, so I've got my Cybertruck pre-ordered, and we're now in that two-long, grueling year wait uh, until, you know, they start delivering them. Um, but I've been watching some videos and some, like, of the uh, interior ride-alongs uh, that they did at the reveal event. Uh, it's probably not helping that wait. But one thing I did kind of – I'm curious about. Um, so they've got the cup holder um, in that kind of six seat that's going to flip up and down. But other than that, I didn't really see a spot for – you know, holding your cell phone or even USB chargers, um, there's pretty much just a big void underneath that 17-inch display from what I can tell. Um, so I'd love to hear your thoughts of, you know, what do you think they're going to do for um, a set, even a place to put your cell phone, uh, much less, you know, one of the wireless charging accessories that are currently for the Tesla 3. Um, love to hear your thoughts. Love the podcast. Thank you. First of all, Jay, I'd like to say that I completely empathize with your position. After I put down my Model 3 reservation, I knew I had a long wait ahead of me. And like you, I watched every video I could find. So hang in there. Uh, if the wait for your Cybertruck is anything like my wait for my Model 3, it is going to go by both super quickly but somehow simultaneously also excruciatingly slow. I know that sounds impossible, but maybe it'll make sense someday, or maybe not, I'm not sure. Uh, anyway, the Cybertruck prototype also didn't have a turn signal stalk as a prime example, so uh, I think it's safe to say that some additional interior refinement will happen before it goes into production, and that's almost certainly going to include some kind of interior storage. Thank you for your call. Let me go to Stefan from Monterey, up next with a little trouble on his Model 3. Stefan, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Ryan, it's Stefan from Monterey. I'm calling you with an issue that I'm having. I'm wondering if anybody else is experiencing this. My backup camera on my Model 3, it's from October 2018, only works about 40% of the time. Most of the time I just have a black screen and sometimes it'll work, sometimes it won't. It's not cutting in and out on a regular basis. There's no pattern to it, but it is very frustrating. I have powered down the car, I've called Tesla, they they gave me some advice. They said it's a software issue. Wait till the next version of the software comes out. I've had this problem for the last almost six months now, and it still hasn't been fixed. I brought it into Tesla last week. They told me there's nothing wrong with any of the hardware, that it's a software issue, and that will be fixed with updates, which is pretty unsatisfying. I'm ready to crank it up to the next level. I'm going to wait another couple weeks just to see if uh, another software version comes out that that fixes it but if anybody else has had this problem and how they fixed it i'm throwing it out there to the tesla army to see if they can help in any way thank you bye hi stefan i am sorry to hear about this i had a day uh, just a like one day a while back where my backup camera it just didn't want to work it's, it wasn't nearly the ordeal that you've been through i realize Mine ended up resolving itself after the car went to sleep on its own, and then I came back to it a few hours later. But when that happened to me, a friend from a service center reached out after he heard me talk about it on the podcast, and this is what he told me about it, and I did get his permission to, to mention this. He wrote me, quote, Camera stream exit, which is the name of the error, camera stream exit alerts indicate that the camera was initialized successfully, but at some point started dropping frames. This can be intermittent and generally indicates a marginal connection to the camera. 
A stream exit may be provoked by vibration, temperature, or environmental interference. Hardware 2, uh, two series, so 2 or 2.5, vehicles in particular are sensitive to certain airport radar even with a good connection. End quote. That's everything he told me at the time. So I realize that doesn't actually help fix your issue, but at least hopefully gives you a better explanation. I would say if you've got a hardware three upgrade coming to you, I would suggest making a service appointment on your app for it with the note that you've been having trouble with your backup camera. Uh, as I mentioned last week, my camera now on hardware three comes up instantly every single time. So they, they are tied in. The, the camera is seemingly powered by the, the uh, hardware autopilot computer, and which of course you heard in the from the service center guy that, that told me that. So uh, hopefully Tesla can get you squared away one way or the other. Rich from Seattle is up next. Let's go to Rich. Hi, Ryan. This is Rich from Seattle calling again. How you doing? Uh, just two quick comments. First is you're traveling up from uh, Portland over here to Seattle. And um, I don't know, is there something wrong with the... Uh, counts for who's using Tesla superchargers. We were a little worried because in Centralia it was showing, I don't know, 15 out of the 20 used. We thought we'd be slowed down, but when we got there, it was actually the reverse. There were only like three cars there, so the number was just completely off. Anyway, just a comment. I don't know if you've seen that as well. Uh, the second is, um, you know, we got these new EV01 Plus uh, tires um, from uh, Canada. Uh, and the guys that from Tesla Motors Club. And the main hope there was in the winter they'd recover some of the range. And that actually worked. The range, uh, compared to the 20-inch performance wheels, we have a, a performance plus car, um, we really dropped a lot during the winter time. But with these EV01 pluses that fit the um, bigger brake calipers, they seem to get us all the way back to where we wanted to be, which is great. I'm sure in the summer they're actually better, and they, that's a nice tip if any of you need a little more range in the winter. Talk to you soon. Bye. First, Rich, uh, thank you for the heads up about those tires. I'm sure a lot of listeners might be interested in those after hearing a positive report about them. As for supercharger stall availability, the reports in the car are definitely not updated in real time. There is a delay. It's nice that it worked out in your favor there. In my experience, it's usually been the opposite. It'll show that there's a stall or two open when I'm on my way, but then when I actually get there, it's totally full. Or worse, and this happened to me on my Arizona road trip over the holidays, it shows available stalls, but it turns out that those available stalls are broken stalls and the rest of the working ones are totally full. So uh, anyway, the in-car report is really, I think, best thought of more as a guideline in a humble, in my humble opinion, than than an actual live up to the second accurate reading of what's going on at the supercharger. Todd from Cleveland, you are on the air next. Hey Ryan, it's Todd in Cleveland. Uh, I've got a a tip and a little bit of warning for uh, fellow Tesla owners in northern climates or cooled places. Um, First, my tip, I, I started getting a, a, uh, an error in my car. It was a dreaded putting your car into low power mode. Um, and I couldn't get my car in for about a week into service. So uh, during the, the time before I got my, could get my car in, I started using the report bug function uh, through the audio control. So anytime I saw the error and my car was in low power mode, I just hold the button down and say report bug. I get the little thumbs up on my screen. Um, and uh, the service department actually started texting me before my appointment with uh, some, you know, questions for me, and it's already starting to diagnose the issue. So when I got my car in there, they confirmed that uh, that information is very valuable for them. So I would highly encourage anybody who's got some time delay before they can get their car in, um, if you're getting errors in your car, to use that report bug function. Um, now the warning. So the cause of my issue was a little rodent. Um, who was looking to escape the cold and gotten into my garage. And, you know, that warm battery uh, under my car was about the warmest thing in the garage in the middle of the night when it was charging. Made a little house in my in my car and chewed a tiny hole in the coolant line for my battery. So it's a, a $17 part, but a very expensive repair. So 
I would encourage all of you in cold areas to uh, take proper precaution um, when you're dealing with when you're um, dealing with little rodents and, and protect yourself from that so you don't go through the same thing I did. So um, thanks for all you do. I uh, love your podcast, and we'll talk to you soon. Todd, that is a crazy story. I have heard of cars that have sat for a long time having rodent issues. In fact, back in my DeLorean days, I have read more than one tale of a DeLorean just sitting idle in a garage or a barn for many years and having rodents take up residence in the bowels of the car and causing issues. But a new car that's getting used on a regular basis? That's a new one for me. Uh, I appreciate you sharing this story so that others might learn from your unfortunate experience here. And thanks for the tip as well. I think that's definitely useful for anyone with an issue and an upcoming appointment. Let me go to Marco in Louisville, Kentucky up next with a couple of feature requests. Go ahead, Marco. Hey, Ryan. It's Marco from Louisville, Kentucky. I had a couple of suggestions for you as far as feature requests. Uh, Number one, it was raining today. And I noticed that when you go into a tunnel, the wipers stay on. And it would be really cool if the wipers maybe stayed on for about 100 feet after you entered the tunnel and then turned back on at the end. It seems like this would save your wiper life a little bit. Uh, The other thing is I'm about a foot taller than my wife, and the seat setting thing is uh, driving me crazy. It would be nice if within the app you could switch the seat setting. So if I know I'm going to be the one driving, I just look at my app, uh, press my driver profile, and then I'm good to go. Um, boy, it's a tough squeeze, um, you know, when I'm trying to get in there and it's set to my wife. So if they could fix that, that would be wonderful. Love the podcast. Um, I've been listening since the Elon Musk interview, so um, I wish you continued success. Have a great day. Hi, Marco. Thanks for your call. You know, the auto setting should take care of your windshield wiper issue, I think. Give that a try if you haven't already. In my experience, the auto setting, which, by the way, is now powered by the neural net, if you remember that coming online uh, last fall, last summer, I believe. I think it's pretty good in most regular rain situations. Second, your idea about being able to select the driver profile before you get in the car via the app, I think that is just an absolute no-brainer, fantastic idea. It makes a ton of sense for the exact use case you mentioned, which uh, no doubt a lot of folks share that same situation. So here's hoping that Tesla hears that one and adds it to their to-do list if they don't already have it on there. Coming up next, let's see here. We got how many? uh, One, two more calls. Penultimate caller this week is Brent from Texas, a longtime Tesla owner. Brent, go ahead. Hey, Ryan. Brent out of Prosper, Texas. I actually have owned Teslas since 2013. Uh, I previously bought all of them. And uh, the way my self-employed business uh, operation I run, it actually makes more sense to lease the Teslas over the last few years and use my cash uh, in my business. My question is, do you think Tesla will have a lease program for the Tesla truck or will they just do outright sales only? Thanks. Appreciate your hard work and hope to hear from you. Brent, thank you for your call. My educated guess here would be that they will offer leasing, but not for quite a while. With previous new car launches, and granted, we'll see how things go with the Model Y, there's always been a backlog of demand, so it's never made sense for Tesla to offer leasing because they've got plenty of customers willing to outright buy the cars lined up, ready to buy every single car that Tesla can make. And as we heard on the earnings call recently, that's going to be the case with the Cybertruck as well. Elon mentioning that they've got several years worth of production as uh, as far as reservations go. I mean, the, the production backlog, granted, even if all of those reservations don't convert to orders, uh, number one, there's still a lot. Number two, there's still, you know, a year and a half plus for them to accrue more reservations. And interest is only likely to to increase as production gets closer and it go it becomes uh, 
more talked about in the news. So uh, the point is, the production backlog is likely to be pretty significant on the Cybertruck, unless it turns out that they're so easy to manufacture that Tesla surprises us all in a good way with their first-year production capability. So I think in time, absolutely, you'll be able to lease a Cybertruck. But my personal opinion, we'll see how, how it actually turns out, but I think it's going to be a while before Tesla offers that. Finally this week, Ed from Nevada City got his Hardware 3 upgrade and has a couple of suggestions in the wake of that. Ed, you're on the air. Take us home. Hi, Ryan. This is Ed Rotberg from Nevada City. Uh, I've been greatly enjoying your podcasts. Uh, they're wonderful. Um, but I have a couple of things. First of all, in your last podcast, you talked about the Hardware 3 upgrade. And for my experience, everything, including Homelink and phone Bluetooth connections, were all preserved. The only thing that had to be done was recalibrate the autopilot. So maybe they figured that out. Next, I have two suggestions. Number one, uh, lots of folks have been asking for this on the Internet, and I see no reason why this can't be done simply in software an option for chill always in reverse. I don't see any reason why we need Uber acceleration in reverse. And number two, I would love to see a button to give you the option to defish the rear view camera. This would allow a view similar to what the rear view mirror would give you. It's a very simple operation to do a number of ways. It's uh, one of the very few things I don't like about the Tesla design is the rear view mirror view is a little bit cut off uh, from the bottom side of the road that I would prefer to see. Thanks, Ryan. I confess, I know Ed a little bit from my day job side of things. And let's just say that Ed knows a thing or two about software. So as such, Ed, I think these are both excellent, totally doable ideas you're totally right about reverse. You know, you never need Tesla-level torque and power in reverse unless you're a Hollywood stuntman. Uh, and your other idea is interesting, too. I've personally gotten pretty used to the fisheye lens, but I can see how a lot of people might prefer a non-fisheye setup. So we already had a good idea or two from the Ride the Lightning hotline earlier in the, in the show that uh, hopefully Tesla was keeping notes of. So here's two more good ideas from the audience to throw Tesla's way on this episode. Thank you, Ed, and thank you, everybody who called in. Again, if you'd like to participate, I always welcome you to do so in uh, one of those two easy ways, either you know using your smartphone and the built-in voice recording software and emailing me the file or dialing in to the Ride the Lightning hotline. That info was at the top of the segment. And with that, stick with me. I'm not quite done yet. I'll come back with the pro tip of the week and some closing thoughts for you right after this. I know I say this all the time, but it felt really good to clean my car last weekend. It had a lot of layers of dust on it. First, it sat for a week at Tesla during the my hardware three upgrade, where I you know I got my battery breathers and uh, my new charge port as well, and then it sat for another week right after that at the airport while I was away traveling. So had uh, it was very very thickly coated. Felt good to get it all cleaned up. Uh, and get it out on the road. But really, the uh, I guess the only thing of note I would mention this week, I went and got my real ID at the DMV. So I know that's not Tesla-related per se, although, I mean, you need a driver's license to, <laughs> to use your top, right, your Tesla. But uh, say that only because, uh, just a friendly reminder, you might want to get your real ID taken care of sooner rather than later, because I imagine that DMVs are going to get extra crazy as that October 1st deadline approaches where you need that real ID to travel. So I had made my appointment three months in advance. Granted, this is California. Other states and DMVs might not be as insane. But uh, yeah, I made my appointment three months ahead of time and got in there today. It still took an hour and a half, even with an appointment, although it wasn't too bad. It was uh, They, they kind of kept me moving from station to station doing what I needed to do. But get your real ID so that you don't have to worry about it come the fall. 
All right, your pro tip of the week comes from Matursian in Toronto about the web browser in your Model 3. Go ahead, Matursian. Hey, Ryan, this is Matursian from Toronto again, and I have a really nice uh, little tip for you. Um, you can actually go full screen uh, with your web browser in your Model 3. Uh, there's a little trick to it. So what you got to do is first you got to go into your YouTube app and then you click on your profile on the top uh, right corner and then uh, you click on manage account and it will take you to a screen with uh, uh, nine dots on the top uh, right corner again, right beside your profile uh, picture. You click on that and it will give you a platter full of uh, apps and in one of them it says Google search. You click on that and there we go. You got uh, full screen access to the web browser. It only works while you're parked, obviously, but uh, that's one of the way uh, to get, oh, only, only one way of getting to a full screen uh, web browser. And I really hope you enjoy uh, your Model 3 um, and uh, I'm enjoying mine more than ever uh, with new features coming out um, every month now. So yeah, I'm happy about it. Uh, hope you enjoy your day, bye. Love that clever workaround. Thank you very much, Matursian. All right, before I go, I want to mention some friends of the podcast. First, abstractocean.com. If you need a center console wrap kit, you want to change the look of that glossy fingerprint and scratch-prone center console on your Model 3. There's all kinds of cool styles and patterns you can choose from over at Abstract Ocean. They've got tempered glass screen protectors custom-fitted for the Model 3. They've got the uh, cool TESLA letters for the back of your Model 3 if you want to do that instead of the Tesla T logo. All kinds of neat stuff, plus all their great lighting accessories, which is kind of what they made their name on. Check it all out, abstractocean.com. Pile everything you like into your cart, and then at checkout, use the coupon code RTLPODCAST. All one word. RTL podcast, and you will get 15% if this is your first order. Good stuff from Abstract Ocean. Meanwhile, Immaculate Reflections currently offering $100 off any ceramic coating uh, package for listeners of this podcast, or $100 off any partial paint protection film package. That's a lot of alliteration, sorry. Or if you end up, uh, if you decide to go full body paint protection film, they'll give you $250 off by virtue of being a listener of this podcast. You can get in touch with Jeff at his website, irdetailing.com, and see more of his work and learn more at that website. Meanwhile, puretesla.com slash RTL, that's your one-stop shop for your dash cam slash sentry mode needs. 128 gig kit, turnkey kit. You just take it right out of the package when they mail it to you, plug it straight into your car, and it's good to go. The 128 gig kit is $49. If you want to step up to a 256 gig kit, that is $69. Again, go to puretesla.com slash RTL. Uh, works with Mac, works with PC. They'll ship anywhere worldwide, but if you're in the U.S., the shipping is free. If you're buying a Model 3 wireless charging pad, uh, remains to be seen. It should fit the Model Y as well, but we won't know for sure, sure, until someone gets a Y and tries one of the Jada wireless charging pads in it, but I'll keep you up to date on that. But if you are in the market for that, because you want to charge your phone nice and easy while you're driving your Tesla, you can pick that up and or the excellent USB hub that adds some extra USB ports, including USB-C ports, straight into your Tesla, nice, easy uh, flush installation, no tools needed. You can pick those up. I would humbly ask that you use my referral link if you're going to buy from them, and that link is this. Just type this in. It's getjada.com slash R-E-F slash 8. And Jada spelled J-E-D-A. If you uh, have not already subscribed to the podcast, which is free to do so, I would love it if you would. That way, you never miss an episode because every time there's a new one, you will get a notification that says, hey, there's a new episode of Ride the Lightning. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Stitcher, on Spotify. 
Uh, I'm on TuneIn, which is in your Tesla. I'm on YouTube. Again, just audio only there. But if you prefer to consume the audio podcast on YouTube, you can search out my channel. Just search for Ride the Lightning Tesla Podcast. You'll find it very easily. And then, uh, yeah, those are all the big, pretty much all the big podcast outlets. And then finally, I would humbly ask that if you are enjoying the show, if you if you feel that you're getting a lot out of it and you want to maybe uh, pay it forward a little bit and show me some love, the best way to do that, besides just listening, which of course is, is uh, the, that's, you wouldn't be here otherwise. But if you want to help me out a little bit, I've got a Patreon set up to support my podcast efforts here. You can learn more on the Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Tesla podcast, Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You can get uh, some little cool perks associated with with different pledge levels, everything from uh, early access to each week's episode to the monthly bonus episode, which actually I'm going to do this weekend. In fact, if all goes well, it will be done by the time you hear this. And then there's getting your name shouted out as a Patreon producer, which I'm going to do momentarily. But yeah, I'm actually, I'm right on the doorstep of a nice milestone number on Patreon. So if you have it in your heart, I would love to nudge over that, over that uh, and, and meet that number. But we'll see. Hopefully if I, you know, all I can do is keep my nose to the grindstone, keep, keep doing this every week. I love doing it. But, you know, a lot of time, a lot of energy goes into it, so... Maybe if not now, at some point, you might think to uh, you might think I I can use your support. That would be good stuff. All right, those Patreon producers. Let me thank them. They are wonderful people. Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassiopo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Michael Lester, Robert Miracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Lars Hoffman, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, Rome Strack, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, Brian Hope, Bill Royko, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dorian Steve Guberman, Michael Waddle, Daniel Grummer, Jeremy, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Rob Brewer, Ron Lee, Chris Konesnik, John Cody, Matthew Wright, Aaron Appleby, Charlie Gillespie, Kaz Barnes, Neil Weaver, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peak, Scott Gillis, Will Stedman, Evie Tricity UK, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, Richard Folkers, Matt Kalen, Trenton from Myrtle Beach, Lisa Kaz, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, Mark Eversole, Ish, and John Scarpacci. Thank you all so, so much. And I leave you with a very sweet note to uh, a birthday wish. I don't want to necessarily get in the habit of doing these, but this was a very sweet call. I can't resist this. Nick in Portland has the honor of taking us out this week. So thank you all so much. Happy electric motoring, and I'll see you back here next week. Hi, Ryan. This is Nick in Portland, Oregon. Um, I'm a Model 3 owner. And first, I'd like to thank you for all the work that you put into these podcasts. Uh, You do a really great job of getting the news that's not readily available. And next, I want to wish a happy birthday on March 1st to my son, Rollin. I could not have asked for a more thoughtful, intelligent, and caring son. And besides, he's the turkey that talked me into getting this car. Anyhow, happy birthday, man. I love you. And thanks, Ryan. I look forward to many more podcasts. Take care. Bye.